are listening to Beyond the Whistle. Beyond the Whistle is the show that takes you beyond the X's and O's to provide tips and advice on the business of sports and how sports professionals can advance in their careers. Beyond the Whistle is brought to you by McCant Sports, a sports executive search and sports leadership consulting firm. Learn more at McCantSports.com. Welcome to Beyond the Whistle. I'm your host, Odell McCants, and thank you for listening. Personal brand. What is a personal brand? As a coach, why is it important for you to create your own personal brand? When I first heard Ron McKeefrey's story of how he created income opportunities beyond his coaching, I knew I had to have him on the show to share his story with you. Ron is a globally recognized leader in strength and conditioning coaching. His experience includes stints in major college athletic departments, as well as NFL and Major League Baseball teams. He has trained and coached all Americans and all pros. Today, Ron takes us to a low place in his coaching career, a place where most coaches have found themselves or surely will. It was a time when Ron realized how vulnerable he was as a coach, vulnerable to losing his job for things that had nothing to do with him. Facing a coaching staff firing, he realized that in order to keep his career, and most importantly, provide for his family, he had to find a way to create income and business opportunities aside from his coaching jobs. That would mean creating his personal brand. Ron shares how he created his personal brand, created multiple streams of income for himself, and how it liberated him from the pressures of the coaching profession. We discuss how having your own personal brand empowers you to control your personal story. The great opportunity that all coaches have to create a tribe of followers who know, like, and trust you. That tribe and your personal brand is what's going to get you through the transitions in coaching. And I love how Ron uses that word transitions because every coaching career has them. If you're interested in learning more about personal branding and how to create yours, I invite you to join me on a free webinar I'm hosting called Build Your Coaching Brand. Not a coaching style. That's your defensive philosophy. If your teams play up-tempo, those are not personal brand terms. Those are coaching terms. On the webinar, we're going to share how you create your personal brand. To control your personal story, create multiple sources of income, protect yourself from those transitions of coaching, and most importantly, help empower your own career. To register for my webinar, Build Your Coaching Brand, go to buildyourcoachingbrand.com. There's a link in the show notes. Lastly, during my conversation with Ron, I incorrectly state the name of his podcast. Ron's podcast is Iron Game Chalk Talk. You can find it in your podcast player, and there is a link in the show notes. My apologies to you and Ron, and I highly encourage you to listen to the show. Also during our conversation, one of Ron's dogs can be heard in the background. I edited out most of it, but decided to keep some of it because one, Ron was speaking to something I know you need to hear, and two, I expect a big strength coach like Ron to have a big dog. So with that, I share with you my conversation with Ron McKeefrey on building your personal brand. Welcome to Beyond the Whistle. I'm your host, Odell McCants, and thank you for listening. My guest today is Ron McKeefrey. Vice President of Performance and Education for Play Performance, a leader in the design of sports flooring. Prior to his current role, Ron had an illustrious career as one of the leading strength and conditioning coaches in the country at both the collegiate and professional level. 
Ron's professional coaching career included serving on the staffs of the Cincinnati Bengals and Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the NFL and Major League Baseball's Kansas City Royals. Collegiately, Ron coached at Eastern Michigan, Tennessee, and South Florida. With coaching stops at those programs and organizations, it goes without, without saying that Ron has coached athletes who have become NFL draft picks, NFL Pro Bowlers, and collegiate All-Americans. In his role at play, Ron leads the company's initiatives in the areas of performance and education. He also hosts his own podcast, Beyond the Chalk, and is the author of the book, CEO Strength Coach, teaching strength coaches how to become the CEO of their careers. Ron, welcome to Beyond the Whistle. Odell, thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, it's really, truly an honor. Ron, I was first introduced to you by listening to an episode of the Rise to the Top podcast by David Sightman Garland. And many of my listeners probably will not recognize that name. It's a podcast I listen to regularly that's focused on, I guess you could say, personal branding and creating products and services around a personal brand. And when I heard the story of how you created sources of income beyond your coaching positions, I knew that I had to have you on the show. A part of my mission with the podcast and with McCann Sports is to help coaches discover opportunities beyond their coaching positions. So, Ron, can you take us to that moment when you knew you wanted to create what turned out to be your own, your, your personal brand? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I remember it very vividly. I, I was coaching at the University of South Florida, and um, our head coach got accused of, of hitting a player. Um, and um, it was only him and I in the locker room, um, you know, with, the, with, our, with our players at halftime of a football game. And, you know, basically, long story short, he had, you know, he was trying to motivate the player and, and kind of grab the kid's chin like you would grab a face mask to kind of straighten his face up so that you could, you know, you could talk to him eye to eye. And, um, and that turned into supposedly he hitting him, um, you know, the player, myself, most of the players in the room all said the same thing, but, um, but ultimately, you know, um, the, the administration felt like they, they, it was a fireable offense. And, uh, I didn't believe that nobody else did, it seemed like, but, um, but at the end of the day, it was one of those things that it led to that. And, you know, I, I don't know if too many people know of, uh, South Florida's history, but we started the program from scratch became the fastest university in, to go to, to a bowl game. Um, there's a lot of different rules that were put in place because of, uh, you know, how fast we were able to go from, you know, a startup to division one program. And, and within 10 years, we went to six straight bowl games and, uh, and even got up to a number two ranking at one point. And so, uh, we had, had a ton of success. I'd, I'd come off uh, a year before that being strength coach of the year and, um, all of a sudden, I found myself in a position where uh, the head coach was gone, and potentially I was going to be gone. And uh, and up until that point, I had lived, you know, not in the, in the coaching bubble of like I never really the the mortality in the profession never really occurred to me. Um, I'd been very fortunate to be at a place for a, an extended period of time, and I was you know I, I got the head strength coaching job at 23 years old, and um. You know, and, and, you know, that looked a lot different. It was just me and my wife. And, and all of a sudden now I had four kids. And, um, so the thought of, of not being able to provide for them, uh, really shook me up, you know, and, and, and honestly didn't, I didn't have, I did not respond well to that. I didn't respond well to a university not believing me when I said that that didn't happen. I didn't respond 
to the fact that I could potentially be fired for something that really had nothing to do with me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, ultimately they kept me. Um, and, um, you know, I, like I said, I, I just didn't handle it. Well, I, I, I kind of gone too far down the deep end in that, in that part. And, uh, ultimately I had made a decision internally that I was going to get out. I was going to do my own thing and start my own business. And I was fine looking for ways to, to do that. And I had uh, found a position with army special forces leading all of their strength and conditioning. And, um, and so my plan was to go to the military, be the strength coach for special forces. You're going to be off base by two o'clock and I would have evenings and weekends to be able to build my own business and control my own destiny. And so that set me down a course of reading every possible business book you could read. I, I listened to every possible podcast that you could listen to. And one of those was Simon Garland's, uh, rise to the top. And, uh, it was profound, you know, it was, it was just, you know, here you this whole other world existed. I'd never heard of half of these things. And I'm just so focused in, on the coaching world that, you know, the idea of making money and, um, you know, internet and uh, affiliate marketing and, and all these types of things. I mean, it was stuff that was just so, you know, so I kind of felt like I was a young coach again, where I was, everything I was learning was new. And, um, and so, um, you know, I, I, I decided to, to do that. And, and, uh, while at the special forces, I got the Tennessee job and ended up leaving that and going right back into coaching. But what I found through that process was that, um, was two things that I became a much better coach when I looked to disciplines outside of coaching for inspiration, you know, um, what was working in business or leadership and some of these things turn around and directly applied to coaching, um, and made me a better coach, more efficient coach. Um, but also that I became a hell of a lot more popular as a coach or, or, um, you know, uh, more valuable as a coach if I had my own personal brand. And then, you know, in that time I created my own website, I created a, 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 uh, uh, continuity program and, um, uh, educational platform and, and some different things. And, um, by doing that, you know, there's a lot people, more people that knew who I was and in the coaching world, it's not always who, you know, it's, it's who knows you. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and so instead of, I had always been a guy that it was always the university of South Florida or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whatever. And then I was just, and then Ron McKeever came after that and it became now where, um, I always, you know, I, I give a hundred percent of myself to any employer that I'm uh, involved with, but, but also have, you know, by building that personal brand, um, uh, people were coming to me and, they saw me way more valuable, um, you know, because, because, you know, the world essentially saw you more valuable. When you went to uh, create uh, your own opportunities outside of your coaching, did you run into any um, uh, objections within the, within the athletic departments or other or coaching staffs or university at large? And how, how did you handle those? Dave? Yeah, I was very con uh, conscious of that, and that was something because I mean, I, you know, coaching's in my DNA. It's it's what I am and do, and um, and you know, I never really felt like I was going to get out per se, but you know, of the profession, I just felt like I needed to work within it, and 
and find a way. And so for me, um, I really, I made a conscious effort and decision early to, uh, make sure that everything that I did from a personal brand standpoint was centered around a platform of education. And so whether or not I was educating coaches or educating athletes or, or, uh, anything along those lines, um, I felt like nobody could really, uh, take shots at that. That was, that was just a form of giving back. And if I was able to monetize that and to, uh, create some, some passive income from it, it really, you know, that, that was kind of socially accepted in that space. You know, some, you know, other coaches have written books, other coaches are speakers, you know, they, you know, other coaches have gotten some endorsements and things like that, you know, and, and, and sport coaching, not necessarily strength and conditioning. And so I felt like if I could always make sure that I was providing, um, educational opportunities and educational, uh, resources, then if I was confronted about making additional income, um, I, I felt like it, it was, it would be a hard position for the organization or the university to say, you can't go help other coaches, you know? And, uh, and I made sure that I, I never, you know, tried to, to double dip. I never, I, I made sure that I never, um, you know, went at, you know, after markets that were similar to what the university's markets were. And, and so, um, that was my plan of attack. And, and to be honest with you, I, I never saw, uh, I never really encountered, uh, any opposition to that. You know, um, I think that was the reason why it was because of the educational platform, but it was quite opposite actually. You know, when I, when I would speak nationally and internationally, um, that was celebrated within the university. When I wrote a book, it was celebrated by the university. Uh, when I had my own website, you know, people would, would reference it and point to it. And, and again, it was celebrated. So I think, um, that was, you know, I think so many times as coaches, we have this, you know, we look at personal branding as this self-promoting kind of, um, jerk thing to do. And there's a difference between, um, you know, developing a, an, an individual brand and being a self-promoting, you know, douchebag, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think as long as you, you know, you don't overstate yourself, you don't make hyperbolic claims, you don't do those types of things. You just tell your own story the way that you want it to be told. I think that's super important, you know, because especially in this day and age of, of coaching, you know, I mean, it's what's going to happen when you go to apply for a job, you know, people are going to, well, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go right into Google and they're going to type your name, you know? And, and so in this world, well, you know, at Tennessee, when we weren't winning very many ball games, there wasn't a whole lot of nice things said about me in the media, you know, or, or, you know, in the fan forums and things like that. But because those fan forums are thousands and thousands of people strong, they rank pretty high in the search engines, you know? And so, you know, it wasn't always a flattering thing that popped up, um, you know, and, and when you would type in, in Google on the first page of Google, you know, but if I controlled through the different social media platforms, uh, which rank very high, or I had my own individual website, my name as my own individual website, I could control the first page of Google, uh, and the message that was being sent about myself, 
you know, and it allowed me to tell my own story. And I think as long as you do that, you're not, you're not hyperbolic. Um, I think, you know, it, it, it can be done in a very tasteful and, and, uh, a positive way. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, it becomes a great extension of the university and the department as well. Um, and in fitting right into that educational mission, absolutely. And giving, and giving back to, to your profession. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, again, I mean, the, the pauses that have come about from it are, are numerous, too many, too many to mention, but just a couple of them have been, you know, by be having a better individual brand, um, I was able to recruit interns from all over the world and, 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 and quite a few amounts. So I mean, I was able to get essentially free labor or people just because they wanted to learn, you know, from me and, and thus the university would benefit or, you know, when I became a best-selling author, you know, I wasn't just being introduced as their, their head strength coach anymore. I was being introduced as a, as an international number one bestseller, you know, author as well as their strength coach or, you know, um, strength coach of the year or whatever it may have been. And, you know, I, I think, you know, those things, you know, all, all add value, um, to the university in a, in a big, big way. You know, I mean, when I, you know, um, you know, almost, you know, latter part of my career, you know, my kind of reputation, my online presence kind of always preceded me, you know, and so it made things a lot easier, you know, with the athletes, you know, to where the, the, it was a lot easier for them to buy into me because they could research me and they could find out some of the things that I had done. And, you know, they weren't seeing some of those negative things. You know, and, and coaching today's generation of athletes, I think that's really critical. You know, I know in, in, in our generation, we did things just because coach said to do it. Right. But now these kids, they've got Google right there. I mean, that's what they've grown and they're going to research it. So, Ron, when you when you came to the realization that this was a step you had to take, what, what were some of those first steps that 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 you took? Yeah, I, I, you know. But really where this all came about, the story goes is I was, I was really upset, um, with the whole situation. I just walked out of a meeting with our AD and, um, he basically told me that there was a chance of me not being kept with the new coach and very upset. And I, I went and to the bookstore cause I, I wouldn't, I would go, go to the bookstore, um, because it was a place that I had to calm down, I, you know. So if I, we had a bad workout or we had a bad day or whatever, before I'd go home, I'd go to the bookstore. And I'm a guy that I, I literally I read one book through high school and college. You know, I just read one book. You know, I wasn't a big reader at the time, and um, and so, but you couldn't go around huffing and puffing and pounding your chest in a bookstore because they'd call the cops on you. So that that's where I'd go to kind of calm down before I went home. And I was walking around and I came across a book called the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And, um, and I was like, man, freaking four hours a week sounds pretty good right now. That guy was working about 80, right. Yeah. And picked it up and I literally read it in a day. I read the whole book in a day and cover to cover and, um, a lot of the concepts and things that th they mention, uh, he mentions in the book. I just, I mean, I never even thought about it, you know, and some of those concepts were, you know, like you need to have your own website. And so that was the first step that I made. I, I said, okay, how do I do that? And, um, I ended up paying a former player $3,000, which was a deal, you know, in quotation marks, 
um, for him and his business and de- designing websites. Um, I paid him three thousand dollars to create a WordPress site for um, a camp business that I had at the time, and um, and so he made a basic WordPress site, and I was I thought it was crazy, never seen anything like that before, never worked with a website, and but as I started learning it, I was like, man, this is I wonder if I can do this, you know, and so I ended up creating my own website with my own name and trying to replicate it as best I could at that site and. I essentially made the same website as he had made for like $50. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I, you know, it started with a website. It started controlling, you know, actually creating social media. I didn't have social media accounts at that time. I uh, thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. I really did. Um, I started kind of trying to, to identify maybe some services that I, you know, that I could provide that was passive, you know, income. And so speaking was, was big camps were big, um, you know, things like that. And, uh, affiliate marketing was something that I, was different, which is basically promoting other people's products and getting a commission off of that. And, uh, and so those are the things that I kind of centered around as like, you know, I basically just put on this website and I essentially started kind of a daily journal. You know, I just kind of journaled the things that were happening in my life, you know, be it work or, or home on my personal website and, uh, and I started to build what, what has become a tribe. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I would recommend to coaches is, you know, is that tribe, those people that know, like, and trust you, that's what's most important in the coaching world. Um, and the bigger your tribe is, the, the better you're prepared for those moments of transition, you know, because if you're in coaching, it's not if, it's when you get fired. And it has nothing to do with your your abilities as a coach. It just comes down to wins and losses, and that's a hard thing for coaches to understand sometimes, you know. And it, you know, so, and a lot of coaches that I know, you know, I mean, when you go through those those firings, man, it, you're questioning everything. You're questioning the, the profession. You're questioning yourself. You're questioning. You know, uh, you're, you're worried about your, you know, it's a lot of un- undue, sh- it's a lot of stress that you're, that you, you take on. And, uh, oftentimes you end up, you know, going to jobs that you don't necessarily want to take, but you have to take and, and all those kinds of things. And so the stronger that tribe is, um, and you, and having a core group of people that know, like, and trust you, well, if that's the time, like, uh, that you need to be able to, be, you, you can leverage that group you know, by creating speaking opportunities or, or a book or, or things like that to where you can make some income to make it so that you make a better decision, you know, for you and your family. And, um, and that's what it's come to now for me is now what I tell people is I, I coach on my own terms. You know, I coach who I want, when I want, where I want, you know, as opposed to just taking whatever job that I, that that's, that's, you know, that I feel like I have to, because I need to make money. And, uh, what a, I mean, it's such a powerful thing. I mean, the last, you know, collegiate job I had was with Eastern Michigan. And I literally made as much money on the side as I did from the university. And, And it was very, you know, and so in that setting, I didn't have to compromise anything. You know, if I didn't agree with something ethically or morally, that I would simply say, Hey, look, I, you know, 
it's fine. If I'm not your guy, I'm not going to compromise what I believe. If I'm not your guy, that's fine. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll resign or you can fire me, which, whichever one I've, I've got, I can, I can go do this and I'll, you know, I can take these 80 hours and I'll put it into your university and go put it into this that I've already, you know, making the same amount of money on, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, and, and, uh, I was able to stick to my convictions and, and, and those things. And that's, I mean, when you can, when you when you live that kind of stress free life in coaching, it's freaking incredible. You know, you you mentioned tribe, and I think it's hard for all of us to realize that we all have an audience, we all have a tribe who want to hear from us. What was that process like for you to identify who your audience is or w- would be, and who, who would become that tribe? Yeah, I think. It's a great question, and I think it's one of those that you have to define pretty early so that you can make your your you know your efforts and your time as efficient as possible because you don't have a lot of time. You know, if you're if you're coaching, you're working sixty to eighty hours a week. You know, you might have five you know five hours a week to put towards this kind of side hobby, this kind of side hustle. You know, and so. You want to make that very structured and very, you know, coordinated. And, um, and so for me, it was just kind of looking to see, all right, what, you know, ultimately, why did I get into this profession? What do I want my legacy to be? And I wanted to, to impact as many kids as possible. And I felt the best way to do that was to, to try to coach the coaches, you know, the people that, you know, you know, one coach touches more people in a life than most people do, you know, uh, one, most coaches took impact more people in one day than most people do in their entire life is the old Dale Carnegie quote or whatever. Right. And I, I think, you know, for me that was, okay, how do I, you know, how do I coach coaches or um, you know, that's what I want my tribe to be is this group of like-minded individuals that are very similar to me, you know? And, and so I identified that and uh, went down the route of, all right, now how do I best get my message out to those coaches and, uh, initially, uh, you know, I, I was, I was listening to, to David Sutton Garland's podcast and, and he was having individuals come on other entrepreneurs and he would just ask him questions. And, uh, and I freaking, I was like, man, that's a great concept. You know, I, I, how can I, maybe I could take that same concept and apply that to coaching and just have coaches on and, and ask them a bunch of questions. And not only does it make me a better coach, but by sharing that, it makes other coaches a better coach. And, uh, and so that was the route that I went down and uh, to start building that tribe of coaches. And looking at kind of the, uh, the, the, the mechanics of how your, of how your, how your brand works today, what are some of the channels that create the, the foundation of, of your brand? Yeah. You know, fortunately now, uh, you know, I've been able to start this business play perform and it's, it's, um, you know, it's parent company is play which is the sports flooring company that you mentioned and and now you know it's it's kind of weird because my my you know coaching has been who and what i've always done and then the entrepreneurs kind of always been the side hustle and just kind of my hobby i really didn't have any other hobbies and so now it's really blended between the two and my job is kind of being the entrepreneur coach and uh and i don't get to do as much in the trenches coaching as, as I did, or, or, or maybe even would like to, um, 
but I still do quite a bit. I mean, I still consult with teams all around the world. I still, you know, I, I got 28 of the Chinese Olympic teams. I've got uh, American football teams I work with. I work with Team USA um, directly. I'm still coaching quite a bit, but um, but when you're used to doing it 16, 18 hours a day, you know, six, seven days a week, it's it's a little bit different. Um, for me now, my platforms are a, a couple strong. I have what um, I have the, the podcast, our game chalk talk. I've been doing for six years. Um, that really started for me when I got fired at Tennessee. I was traveling around and, and talking with other coaches just because I was I was going stir crazy in the house. And you know, a couple of them said I should should uh, record them, and so I started recording them and throwing them up on YouTube. And somebody recommended that I should turn it into a podcast and. I didn't even know what a podcast was um, and turned it into a podcast. And it's led to this, you know, podcast being, you know, downloaded, you know, each episode is downloaded over 30,000 times, wow. you know, um, and it's, it's done really well. The second platform is my book. You know, I, I, I kind of, you know, really organically did it the right way. I think I, I built this tribe of coaches that followed me. I expect a big dog from a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, yeah I've got I got two Dobermans. They're 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 go crazy when the UPS guy comes uh, yeah. driving through. I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's actually my wife wanted them. They want yeah, she wanted big dogs when I was gone. So so we were talking uh, the different channels, right? Yes, yes. Um, starting the podcast. So I was talking about the yeah the podcast and and. Um, you know, I did it pretty organically uh, the right way, which was I kind of built an audience through the podcast, which gave me an audience to market my book when I wrote my book too. And I didn't realize that at the time, but that was, a, that was an important step. I mean, if I would have wrote a book, you know, the average book sells, you know, in, in its life, typically a hundred to 300, you know, copies, um, that's out there. And, and that's not very many, especially if you're trying to make money off of it, you know? And, um, but it, you know, the average bestseller or Amazon, uh, bestsellers, you know, typically between three and 5,000. And then the average, you know, kind of New York times bestsellers, 30 to 50,000. And, um, you know, by having that audience, I was able to get on the bestseller list and, and then do it internationally. And, you know, all those types of things. But now, because the book has been organically out there, the book has become a channel to get people to kind of point back to me as well. And um, and then I think the speaking, I mean, I think a lot of coaches do speak in pretty regularly and, um, you know, they don't think about the opportunity that exists there and nor do they think about the opportunity that exists. You know, what, what if you're just an entrepreneur off the street, you know, to have the access or the, you know, the, um, the opportunity to have the network and stuff that exists in college or pro athletics. It's, I mean, most entrepreneurs would kill for that, you know, and coaches have it easily. You know, when I, when I first took the job at Tennessee, this is really when I was still, um, very young in the entrepreneur space, um, and very concerned about how that would be perceived, um, I, you know, when they announced me, I went from, you know, a thousand followers on Twitter to 10,000 in like an hour. And, you know, just because there's so many fans that are interested in that, you know, and 
who their strength coaches and, and things along those lines. And, um, you know, not all those coaches would have been, or not all those fans would have been people that would have stuck around or bought something from me or anything like that long after Tennessee. But that net, you know, that, that, that social reach is important. And, uh, I ended up deleting my account cause I was scared of how it would be perceived. But, um, but I think, you know, we, we as coaches have, you know, that's the plan. That's the, that's the thing we have right now or why you're coaching that is so strong is that you have, um, this social, the social, social reach and you got this, this big engine and platform around you that most entrepreneurs don't have. And so if you're focused on building your tribe right now, that's great. And then in those moments of transition, now you can find ways to try to leverage that, that tribe. And as long as you're building a relationship with them throughout, then whatever that, that product becomes camps, clinics, um, videos, book, a podcast, whatever that, that product becomes. Now you have at least an audience of piece of people that you can reach out to and, and try to get them to, you know, become customers or, or whatever you want to say. And, uh, I, I think so many times we, we wait, we think that we have all these, you know, I think if you asked most coaches and they said, you said, you know, what are you going to do if you're not coaching? Most would say, well, I'll, you know, you know, at least, at least in strength and conditioning, they'd be like, well, I'll start my, you know, I'll start my own business. I'll just go open my own gym. And, you know, two problems with that, that exist are really, A, you don't, most of those people don't understand the business part of running a gym, you know, and that, and, and the challenges that come with that. And, uh, and then the other part is like, if you have no audience, you have no following, then you have to start to build that from scratch. And that's hard to do as well, you know? And so if you don't have anybody coming to the gym and then you don't know how to run the gym itself, you're probably going to fail, you know? And, uh, and so you have to start to build some of those skill sets at the same, at the same time, if that is your backup plan, you know? And, uh, and like I said earlier, if you're building additional skill sets on, you know, uh, business and, and those types of things, it's going to make you a better coach as well. So Rod, what are, what are three things that you wish you had known, uh, that you know now when you first, uh, started on your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I think the first thing would be that, um, like I said, there is a difference between doing it in a self-promoting way and doing it in a, in a wholesome, in a wholesome way. And, um, I think I was so fearful that people would look at it as me being trying, trying to be self-promoting and the opposite was true. I mean, it was, you know, it was more celebrated than it was pointed to. Um, the second thing is that there are always, no matter what, there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be people that, that are, that don't understand it, that are going to take shots and this, that type of the other. And, um, you know, ultimately you're there to be a, a resource to the people that, 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 is, that make up your tribe. And as long as you know, in your heart of hearts of what you're doing is that you're actually trying to bring value and, and, and bring good to the world. Um, then, 
it doesn't really matter and and you're you're never going to please everybody i think that's just in coaching you get to, you you understand that probably a little bit better than most anyways you should know that i was going i was thinking the you same know? thing <laughs> yes. um you know and i think the last thing is is that um is is the you know the volatility of this profession um it makes it extremely tough to retire doing it you know, and, um, you know, and what I found is that there's so much freedom that exists and so much power that exists in, um, you know, having additional streams of income and diversifying yourself and things like that. And what that does is by having that peace of mind and not adding that stress to your life, it allows you to be the coach that you want to be and allows you to do it for as long as you want to do it. You know, and, um, you know, I mean, at this point in my career, you know, I could, I could literally take a coaching job for free if I wanted to, you know, and that's, that's powerful, you know, to me, because that's, that's ultimately why I do it. I don't, I, you know, no coach that's really worth their salt took a job because of the money part of it. You know, these head coaches that are making millions of dollars a year, you know, they're the same ones that took the job for $10,000 a year doing the same job, essentially, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, you know, it's, you get in it because you want to make an impact on young people. You want to, you, you have a passion for the sport and what it's done for you. Um, all those types of things. And, and so, uh, have the, the freedom and the confidence to be able to do it, you know, and not have to worry about the money part of it. Um, it's, it's very liberating. So Ron, in closing, I know we've mentioned the podcast and the book and social media, but can you share with us where, uh, listeners can learn more about you and connect with you? Yeah, sure. You know, I'm, I'm pretty uh, active on social media. I mean, Instagram is probably where I'm most active, uh, these days. So that's just at R McKeefrey. Um, and, uh, and then my name, ronmckeefrey.com. Those are the kind of the two biggest platforms. And my business is, is called Play Perform, P-L-A-E, uh, perform.com. And, and like I said, we're an education performance company that work with various teams all around the world and uh, provide performance and educational uh, initiatives. So um, those would probably be the best places, yeah. We'll have links to all those in the show notes. Ron, thank you so much for your uh, candor and sharing with us your story of really going beyond coaching and creating your personal brand. And it's been really excited to exciting to connect with you. And again, thank you for being on Beyond the Whistle. Absolutely. And thank you uh, for what you're doing for the coaching community. I, I know how much work goes into uh, putting on these types of podcasts and uh, putting out these resources. And, and then more importantly, the message. I mean, um, coaches that go through, you know, when you go through the coaching profession and, and you go through those moments of transition, it it's um, it's a very stressful and it's, it's hard on a family and, and it's broken a lot of families and it's broken a lot of, of coaches. And uh, you talking about these types of topics – on a regular basis uh, starts the conversation to hopefully coaches, 
you know, preparing for those in a little bit better way. So thanks so much for what you're doing as well. I can't thank Ron enough for sharing his personal story. And if you want more on personal branding, remember to visit buildyourcoachingbrand.com to sign up for my free webinar. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Whistle. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Whistle. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It's the best way to stay updated on the newest episodes. Beyond the Whistle is a production of McCant Sports, a sports executive search and talent solutions firm. To learn more about McCant Sports, visit McCantSports.com.